Welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of tequila, the show of Fortaleza, rock music, and so much more. It's been years in the making. I've known Chris Maxwell for quite some time, but we were never in the same place at the same time, going virtual. It's all shut down, quarantine, and finally, we're making it happen. You're going to get the entire story of Chris Maxwell and a lot of ups and downs, left and rights, just a lot of great tales for chris to tell us here today so without further ado i hope you guys enjoy this great chat with chris maxwell oh yeah so you know i did the band thing for a really really long time um and uh you know i was teaching doing the band thing and um uh at in, back in like 2012 um <clears throat> like the band that i was in at that point in time i was like okay um if if this doesn't work out i'm done doing the band thing you know i've i've you know uh hustling to you know you know throwing uh uh you know ten dollars worth of strings onto a couple of guitars the day before a gig load up your car you know, drive 50 miles to go play 40 minutes worth of original material in front of 10 people, you know, and then, you know, get paid with a, a pitcher of beer to split between the entire band. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, there, you, it, it, it wears on you, you know, you do things for the, you know, because you love them and super fortunate to, to have done all those things. But after a while, it's just like, you know, it just wore on me and, and, uh, um, you know, uh, had to, you know, start making some, some choices. Like I, I was with a, in a position with Fortaleza, you know, to be like, okay, I can start bringing on more, um, responsibilities and, um, and, uh, who, who, you know, within our, our group of people, you know, who, who wouldn't want to have that opportunity. Right. So, and especially at that point in time, the brand had been, you know, on the market for six years. And like, I was able to get in, you know, from, from basically the get go and, you know, to help grow and like kids, like, you know, absolutely love doing that. And I love doing the music thing, but I'm not getting paid doing the music thing. There've been times when I've been able to pay the bills doing just the music thing, you know, playing, playing music. Um, uh, but with Fortaleza, you know, I, I was actually getting paid. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, so there was that. And so I'm like, I was like, okay, I'm just going to do that. And, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to do the band thing anymore. I'm just going to teach and, and, you know, I'm going to teach and, and do music for myself and, and, and for fun. Did, how did that feel? And, first? Uh, was that, cause, cause I know where you, when you got to just, you got to sleep on floors and you get beer spit on you and those mics smell like shit in the clubs and stuff. Was it a nice kind of freeing thing to be able to just come back almost to the fundamentals? No, like for me, it was not even like that. There was, it, it was just like, you know, essentially with that band, a decision was made for me because, oh. um, you know, the, 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 the singer from the band decided that he was going to quit who, you know, without telling me who I consider to be like my brother and, it was just like this really ugly, you know, situation. And I felt that I had, you know, been stabbed in the back. Oh. So, so, you know, I was bitter, uh, about that. You know, I was jaded in, in the sense of like, okay, well this didn't happen for me. Well, whatever. But then I was like really bitter that, you know, uh, my, my, you know, my best friend, you know, somebody who I would take a bullet for, mm. uh, you know, decides to be like, burp, hit the eject button. And then, um, 
uh, oh, I, I forget the, the, the dude's name, plays the piano. He has uh, some song about like, you know, how the band broke up and, and then reformed without me. Um, oh, this is, uh, what is, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll figure this one out. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that's what happened. <laughs> and then I'm just like, what? Oh, I, so. I'll tell you what, I've been there though. I, I had someone who was a producer for the band I was in. We all became friends and he convinced us to quit and rebrand. And except when he did that, we didn't rebrand, but they farmed a band without me. <laughs> and it's just like, I, I, I didn't realize that it really pissed me off until the other day they got back in touch. But, but I, let's, let's go back even further then. There's an era of which you kind of pick up on music. What kinds of things were driving you and making you curious about guitar? Um, I honestly, it starts before I was three years old. My dad was managing bands. Oh, really? Like, Anybody that we would know? No, he, this is back in Denver, Colorado. He was managing a couple of of top forty bands. Oh, cool. You know, like those guys back in the day. You know, top forty bands were the the bands that would go and play the the, the circuit, the clubs, and you know they do four out four sets of covers each night, right? Yeah. And uh, I just remember going to like Soundcheck or something and a venue. It probably was like a little dive bar, but to me it was like massive. And it was in the day and I remember like gear being loaded in and them soundchecking and making this beautiful noise. And I bought hook, line, and sinker at that point in time. Like that, that was the end of it for sure. Um, and uh, um, I asked my dad for a drum set and uh um at that point in time my, my my mom and my dad were going through a divorce and um my mom ended up with custody and so uh by christmas of uh when i would have been three i ended up with a drum set um that was very much a um more about getting back at my mom <laughs> than uh <laughs> you know, uh, then, then, you know, uh, satisfying a, a need for me, although, you know, it, it both at the same time, but, yeah. um, you know, uh, and, uh, I would put, you know, uh, the, the band that my dad had, uh, had, was managing, had a record out and I'd put, put the album in front of the drum set and I'd pretend like I'm in the band and, and, you know, and, and then, you know, the next year I saw Kiss on the Mike Douglas show and dude, Gene Simmons, like, I hate the dude now. He, <laughs> Gene Simmons is the same person as Donald Trump and not a fan. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, I'm going to respect where I come from, right? In, in that sense of like, he, like, you know, he, just this dark, evil dude with this long tongue that I was just like spitting blood and like, you know, commanded the stage with his way he walked, just like, I thought it was amazing. And, you know, so I, you know, was all about Kiss at a super young age. You, it you brings up a good point because in our industry too, and we both love music and stuff. Is it ever hard for you to say, I'm going to say this and I, I'll, hopefully I'll get some shit. I still can stand Kevin Spacey as an actor because as an actor, as an artist, he's exceptional on his craft. Yeah. As a human being, he could be a fuck to it. I don't, you know, I don't know. I never met him. But is that a balance you can have for you. Cause I, I still love kiss regardless of how stupid Gene Simmons is now. Yeah. Um, you know, I like, I matured out of that musically in some aspects, you know, fast forward a whole bunch of years later. Um, when, you know, I was back to doing music for fun, um, and, and quit doing the band thing. I ended up, uh, getting to my absolute roots by playing bass in a kiss cover band <laughs> and and we didn't do the makeup we didn't do that um it, but it was super awesome because um we were all based you know so we practiced at our singer's mom's house in the living room in the afternoon um and it felt like being in high school again. Yeah. 
And so that was really fun and, and, and awesome to do. And I was able to sit down and, and, you know, I think we did like 40 kiss songs. So I had to learn a bunch of bass lines that like, I thought he was just like going right in the root note for the entire song. But like Gene had some really interesting bass lines that are, you know, more melodic and have more movement than what people expect. But, you know, when I also am really aware of the fact that he was a huge fan of the Beatles, that makes the most sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. So, and, you know, you know, so, you know, I had fun with that. I enjoyed that. Um, you know, later kiss stuff, you know, it, there's some good stuff, some not so good stuff, you know, and yeah. it's, yeah. Well, but, you know, but it's also good, Chris. I have to say is, 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 you know, when, when you're super young, you have a different interpretation of, of music. And, you know, part of that is like, you know, listening with your eyes and you're fascinated with the entire show. And, you know, when I was nine years old, my dad took me to see Kiss Live. That was my first real wow. concert. And, you know, those things, you know, and that, and having that as my first concert and that expectation level of, of, of a performance and what you deliver to an audience, um, was a major subconscious and conscious influence for me in everything that I've done. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. You know, I think I always took you as a Californian dude. You get that kind of vibe, you know? And, but it turns out you, when did you end up moving to California then? Ocean, ocean view somewhere else? No, I moved to, well, I moved from Colorado. Um, yeah. I grew up in Colorado. Well, grow up, never growing up ever. <laughs> growing up is for old people and for people that have no, no soul left <laughs> no, no energy um no but really uh you know so i was born in colorado um by the time i was 10 my mom moved to upstate new york i was there for a year and a half mm. included two brutal winters um by the time i was nine um i already hated the snow and the cold my you know my eject button moment in life was I, you know, my mom made me go shovel the driveway. I come in, I turn the TV on, watch the, the Broncos play in the, the Chargers mm-hmm. in San Diego. It's like 80 degrees, you know, palm trees, chicks in bikinis, dudes, no shirts, and it's just sunny. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's where I'm going to move to. That's where I'm all about in every aspect. And, uh, um, you know, uh, turned my allegiance of being a Broncos fan into being a, a, a Chargers fan and was really, you know, went back to school the next day and I was just absolutely ridiculed by everybody. And then, uh, you know, uh, fast forward about six years, um, you know, my, my dad and my stepmom ended up moving out here. Oh, okay. So um, I, I know that I would have been here in one way or another. Um, <clears throat> although them living out here, allowed me to uh, pursue being a musician and living rent-free at their house until I was 26. Now, some people may look down upon that, but like, <laughs> dude, free rent, you're a musician. Like, I've got gear to buy. Like, I've, I've got like this $2,000 custom-made guitar to buy. <laughs> Save up for a house? What? No. <laughs> you know, you, we have different priorities. That's it. It's just a different priority. That's all it is. And and because, again, I think I think you're a fun, gregarious guy. I gotta ask, when you were touring and playing heavily, did you live a hard lifestyle? What do you consider hard? I think I think of slash a little bit. Those guys, you know, and just like a lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol. Um, I, there was a point in time where I lived in my rehearsal studio for about a month. Mm. Uh, but, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, I never, you know, I never had to worry about my living situation, uh, um, based upon, uh, a female friend, Yeah, you know, so, um, uh, you know, I made really wise choices, you know, choices that at the end of the day, like, you know, my family would be okay with. Okay, that's a good, interesting way to look at it. Because I know yeah. how 
how centered you've been and really focused on health, you know, in these, I'd say the last maybe five, six years with the CrossFit stuff and turning 50 and like, so I, I think he, I don't know that you can do that later in life. If you really fucked up hard, like in the, you know what I mean? Like in the twenties and your body is just this beaten up bag of bones. I've, I've seen plenty of people that, you know, have made bad choices, you know, in, in, in earlier in their life. Yeah. And it's easier to, you know, if you make those bad choices early, it's easier to, to, you know, overcome those than to make them later in life. I yeah. would say. Good point. I want to go the other way though, Chris, to be honest, you know, I'm in my forties. Finally, I'd love to just go downhill from here. It'd be, it'd be nice. <laughs> just, <laughs> just go against. Hey, you, know, you know what? Like I've, I, I've always like, you know, I've absolutely despised my birthday. Like it's to me, it's the worst day of the year ever since, like as far as long as I can remember. Yeah. And um, when I turn, when I was turning 30, like, oh my God, the world is going to come to an end. When I turned 40, oh my God. This year I was like, I don't give a fuck, whatever. Like, <laughs> you know, um, I'm just, you know, my, my outlook, you know, on life is like, Hey, I get to, you know, live a life that I choose to live. It's very unconventional. I'm not beholden to anybody for anyone or anything except for myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, I wouldn't say it's completely bohemian, but, you know, um, I'm just fortunate to be able to do what I do. Um, I I really appreciate that about you because as some, I think it's a Lemmy quote. And he just, you know, it's the anniversary of his death a couple of days. I might've said this on the show before, but he, I think in the uh, history of Western civilization, part two, which is a wonderful movie about the scene, Pen- Penelope Spears. Anyway, so right, let me says, raise your flag and see who salutes it. Yeah. And that's what you do. You know what I mean? Like you got your brand and you got all of this passion and all the support about this investment you've made for Agave. And I want to know when you knew, because you're, if not known for anything else, which I think of it as music, it's, you know, a tequila guru. And there, was there a moment where you were okay with people placing that, bestowing that award or that title to you? I don't know if, if guru is, 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 is an appropriate <laughs> word. Um, you know what? So um, being a, like, I, like, you know, when you're a kid, you take tests, right? Yeah. To, to assess what your, um, you know, what your uh, profession should be. Um, and uh, the, the, the two tests that I always got when I was like in elementary school, junior high, was that I would be a great counselor or that I would be a, a great teacher. And uh, I'm like, no, it's supposed to be rock star. Where's the option for rock star? <laughs> That option didn't exist. Um, and, uh, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I started um, teaching guitar when I was 21. Yeah. And uh, um, uh, <clears throat> still do to this day. Um, all through my entire time with Fortaleza, I was teaching. So I was balancing working in the guitar shop, doing sales repairs, doing teaching, as well as working for uh, Fortaleza for 10 years. Yeah, wow. Um, and so, so at that point in time, you're like, oh yeah, I kind of see where like trying to do a band thing might even get a little bit more difficult at that point, right? So, um, you know, and also in that context, I can't half ask something. It's either do it right or don't do it at all, right? Wow. Okay. Do, so, do you find then, because I, I, I'm very much about that with you, we, we nerd out about some scientific details about shit that other people will be like, just y'all fucking get a room, right? But that's how I think I, I want to dive into that. Has that caused any problems, that dedication to detail, dedication to process even to some degree? Has it ever gotten in the way of your personal relationships? And I ask this because I'm asking myself this. Yeah. Um, in, in, yes. And, um, and, and specifically, uh, with, um, uh, uh, my singer, my brother, who, who I had, uh, um, you know, mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. um, his name's Rich and, uh, um, you know, uh, 
very, very much so, where I am attention detailed and he's just like, just wing it and make it happen. And it's like, no, 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 no. no. There's certain <laughs> things that have to happen. <laughs> you can't just will it, right? Like, it shall be. Right. And, um, uh, you know, um, you know, a number of years later, we uh, uh, mended fences um, and, uh, you know, we've been working on a few things here and there. And it's, it's, it's kind of fun to kind of, you know, to, well, it's not kind of, it's, it's fun to work with him again. Um, you know, um, and we both are really aware of, of our own personal, tr- you know, things. So, yeah. So I would say that that's, you know, that's an example. Um, my attention to detail, I, I think, uh, really annoyed Guillermo too. Yeah. Which is funny because it, to me, he seems maybe a little loose, but also like super dedicated to process. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, I, for him, my attention to detail is more than the average person. Yeah. But I think that that's, you know, what made Fortaleza, you know, so great, you know, was the fact that it is different. There was, you know, attention to details. Um, and some of those details kind of, you know, got glossed over, over time. Yeah, you know, you're growing a brand, you know, like he's like, I'm trying to grow a brand here, Maxwell. I'm like, dude, I understand. <laughs> I understand that, you know, and we'd have these conversations and, you know, back in the day and, you know, he'd be concerned about not having product to place on a shelf because if that shelf space becomes available, somebody else is going to take it and that will never come back to, to Fort Liz. I'm like, dude, no, you got to understand that Forlays is the Pappy Van Winkle of tequila. And I've been saying this way before anybody else even had an inkling of whatever. I'm like, dude, like, you know, when it's gone, people, I mean, people who truly value what Fortaleza is, will put it back on the shelf. It's not, that space is not going to get filled up by, you know, whoever. Yeah. You know? uh, people will make space for Forlays. Dude, oh, totally. I mean, it's got a beautiful name. The, the crew is great. You know, it's got so much cachet to it for being quality. But, you know, going back to this idea of being detail focused, which I think is a very effective thing. Because sometimes if you don't know how your martinis made, what do you know? You know what I mean? Like, I think about it like that. But I also know that it clutters my mind a lot. And detail, detail, detail. What do you do to counter that? If you do, do you, do you okay. work out? Um, so what I used to do was, uh, um, uh, you know, to, to decompress from that because everything throughout most of my life for the longest time was music, music, music. That's all I had. Like people don't understand that as a musician, that's what you are 24 seven. It's, 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 it take up, takes up your entire body, mind, and soul in every aspect. Right. And so, you know, after a while that can be too much. And so, you know, I put my attention, my, my free attention into Nebraska football. Oh, like Nebraska football. How, what, what? So, but you know, that's where my, my dad's family's from Nebraska. And so grew up as a Cornhusker fan and, um, there are a lot of lessons, life lessons that I learned from, you know, uh, from what I consider to be real Nebraska football. No um, kidding. Yeah. So, um, the, you know, the, the, you know, such as, um, you know, teamwork, hard work, putting, putting the team before yourself, mm-hmm. um, just like, you know, which a lot of people would say are, are very traditional Midwestern values. Um, but I think it was a little bit more different. And I just saw it differently um, as, as, uh, as I was, you know, in my twenties and thirties. And, and uh, um, uh, so I, you know, focused on that. And then um, in 2003, the uh, athletic director decided that he was going to uh, change direction because, you know, the team only won nine games that season. 
and um, and fired the head coach um, and uh, essentially decimated the entire program from start to finish. A, a, a football program that changed everything about football um, that had uh, at that point in time um, 40 years um, of uh, actually 41 years of continuity yeah. of, you know, people that were working in the athletic department, you know, from the secretary to, you know, the groundskeepers to the, the physical trainers to the coaches. I mean, at that point in time, our coach was, was Frank Solich and he had, you know, he was one of the, the first recruits for uh, Bob Devaney um, back in 1962. And so like, there's this big, long history. And then, you know, everybody got cleared out and they brought in, you know, a hotshot NFL uh, coach who, you know, tried to force his system upon, you know, um, a culture that didn't understand it, wasn't really accepting of it. And, and that kind of gave me an inkling of like, oh, uh, as I look back and I'm thinking about this now, like forcing the NFL culture is kind of like, you know, uh, certain groups forcing their cultures onto others. Uh, uh, yeah, Chris, more scalability, a commercial grade product trying to bring organic farmers to that level. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I always loved the, the phrase diffuser jive. You know, I, no one has ever said that besides you. And <laughs> I, I want to talk a little bit because because when you have such kind of a decorated history and, and resume in, in this industry, it's it's, hard, it's like a constellation for me. I have to pop all all around. But, but one of the things is, let's just I'm just asking do you: is diffuser is that a good thing? Is what a good thing? Is diffusing tequila, which you're diffusing the agave. I get it. But as a symbol, as an efficiency of production. Is the diffuser a good thing? For who? <laughs> right? We can go, we can go back and forth about it. <laughs> um, I, from, you know, like if, if you're a conglomerate corporation, right, and you're looking at the bottom line, you don't care about your product, you know, getting from point A to point B and making the most amount of profit as possible, diffuser it is. Okay. Is, is it that good? It, that's good for it's good for the bottom line. Does it subtly and over a long period of time dismantle the culture of tequila? Oh, absolutely! It dismantles everything about Mexico, which I think we both would agree. Agriculture is a massive piece of it. Yeah, and and if I could touch upon that, so, yeah. um having roots in Nebraska and understanding the importance of farming and agriculture, the transition of like understanding the value of the agricultural side, the farmers, um, the, 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 the agave um, was from the get go was just super important and, and led to led me to, to do what I do in, in agave. Well, the, the parallels are really striking now that I hear about your feelings about the culture of an organization. I mean, there's just parallels, and I, I'm sure you see them pretty clearly, coaching, caring for the farmers, culture. But it, because this is a topic we could talk about for, for hours, you know, but are you worried that it can be too big, tequila can be too big for its own britches, and then everything just falls apart? I don't know if it'll fall apart. Well, I'll take that back. It's falling apart right now. And the reason why is the, the you know, the, the norma of, of tequila removed uh, um, an important qualification to be considered tequila, uh, the phrase mature agave. Oh. So uh, by, you know, removing the word mature, um, producers are just grabbing whatever agave is available to them, um, which means that there's very little in the way of mature agave. Mm. Have an excessively high price point, um, which I think hit like 30, 32 pesos a kilo this past summer. Wow. 
Um, it's just it's just crazy. And, and so if the, the agave prices stay that high, then there's no reason for you know uh, a, a massive pr- producer or a conglomerate to to look at <clears throat> the value um, of of a traditionally made product, you know, they'd be like, well, bottom line, okay, so like we've got X amount, you know, coming from this, da, 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 da. just from a cost point perspective, a diffuser is going to net them, allow them to, to net the, the most amount of product. Yeah. And at the end of the day, with a diffuser, the quality of your agave does not matter whatsoever in any way, shape, or form. I've tasted diffuser jive from Zygnum, and there's might be a slight bit of difference because it's espadine but mm-hmm. it is identifiable as diffuser jive yeah. it does not like it does not taste vastly different any way shape or form than you know a distillate that is made over at salad yeah when he this passion right so you talk about being a musician and i told my mom this the other day she actually didn't know this about me every single night i have songs playing through my head every minute, even when I'm sleeping and I know what they are and I sing them and it becomes part of you. And when did, I wouldn't say cause because it's, that's a loaded word, but when did the moment feel right to know that you wanted to be a part of the tequila community, both educationally, both morally? Because there's, I, you know, I talked about like bestowing a title on you. That's not, that's different. This, I'm talking a purpose because you get a purpose. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, shit. I, you know, getting back into like, you know, having this education background as a musician, um, I enjoyed kind of, I, not in kind of, I enjoyed sharing what I learn with Mm. others. Um, that's great. Not and, not protecting the the information, right? No, there's nothing to protect. I mean, you know, I mean, there's certain information <clears throat> that I know <laughs> about certain things that will always, you know, you know, remain with me because it's you know that those are private things, right? Yeah. As far as like edu- education in in general, right? Um, has has been important, and I think that you know, um, you know, getting into my story of of tequila, you know, as the the culture of Nebraska changed, like I I, I started kind of like losing you know uh, interest in in that because it was just it wasn't what I grew up seeing. Like Nebraska football was very physical, mm-hmm. and it was unique. It was different than everybody else on the field. Um, and uh, um, then when the, the NFL coach was brought in, like all that, like, you know, was thrown to the wayside. And, and you know, around that time period, just a few years before I started, you know, getting into 100% agave tequila, but, you know, going way, way back, like tequila has always been around my entire life. Mm-hmm. And, um <clears throat> And so I, I'm, you know, started like, you know, diverting that focus from Nebraska football into agave and I ended up in, uh, you know, I wanted to learn more and not just be like, oh, what's the smooth the tequila? Uh, but Bro. Uh, ended up on, on a forum <laughs> but ended up on a, 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 an internet forum called the Blue Agave Forum. And uh, is actually titled the Monthsphemous Forum, um, and <clears throat> found a, a bunch of like, you know, uh, obsessive compulsive people like myself. And really, there's a ton of information that's on there, and um, and learned a lot. Kept my mouth shut, just like, and I went through and read every thread, mm-hmm. every single one. And um, a lot of people in that group did the exact same thing. And, you know, uh, after a year or so of reading, then I started engaging in, in, in the conversations. And then, you know, from there, um, you know, probably by like 2000, 2007 started doing, you know, participating in, in what is now, what 
has always been the the Blue Agave tour. And that's, you know, the tour that I've I've been leading since 2013 with my friend mm. Ray, you know, started from the Blue Agave Forum. And uh, um, during that time period, I was playing in a different band with my friend Rich. And he's kind of integral to my story as well because he and his wife are, you know, kind of wine snobs. And... Um, like I've, I have a palate that drove my family crazy because I was super picky as a kid mm. and I was able to distinguish, you know, flavor profiles and, uh, you know, fast forward, you know, um, you know, as I'm drinking tequila, like to me, it was just like booze. I just knew that I didn't like whiskey and vodka, like why? Right. So like I was drinking tequila and like my go-to cocktail was just essentially, you know, uh, um, a, uh, a tequila popper. So, you know, uh, a gringo, gringoized version of a tequila popper. So, you know, Cuervo gold, <laughs> Sprite, seven up and, and a lemon. That was like Ooh. my, my go-to. I know. Oof, wow. Well, we all have a time and place for those things. Right. I mean, you know, uh, just kind of like upgraded a little bit, you know, like Paloma or, or ranch water. <laughs> we're still like, all we're talking about is like the difference within, in the, the quality of, of the distillate, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So, um, and the quality of Cuervo Gold back in say 1995, I will put that up against any uh, diffused jive product today. <laughs> I love, I love it because of course, of course, they they didn't have to pull shortcuts then. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Uh, um, you know, I started, uh, like the first time I was given a, a, you know, 100% agave tequila, you know, um, friend was managing a bar down in San Diego. He's like, Hey man, I know you like tequila. I want you to, to try this. Pours me a, a shot. It's clear. I'm like, okay, cool. I throw it back. He's like, no, you have to taste that. That's 50 bucks a bottle. I'm like, Oh damn. 50 bucks. That's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> Forecast musician, like 50 bucks, like, no. And, but it hit my palate and I like knew that it was special, that it was different. It was unique. There was this earthy character about it that I absolutely loved. It had this nice sweetness and just, just a ton of character. Um, and, uh, then he was just like, yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. You want to look for, I, I remember, 100% agave. That's what you're looking for. And uh, um, then I go to, to you know, BevMo and like, I'm like, okay, 100% agave. I'm like, okay, I got 20 bucks to spend. <laughs> and it was Hornitos. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, and I'm like, okay, cool. 100% agave. It was Reposado. And then I get that home and I taste it and it was nothing like my first, my first time. Yeah. It never uh, is. Right, yeah. Chris? It's never really like the first time. It's not like your first kiss. <laughs> no, it's not. And that was an awkward moment too, but still you can appreciate <laughs> it for what it is. All right. So talking about the, because I, I think that we all have these lovely Genesis stories. They're, are more and more experts, I say with air quotes, about agave now than ever. How do you feel? Because you've put the time in. You've worked with the brands. You've done tours. I won't, you know, I won't use this dirty E word, the four-letter word, but how does it make you feel when you see people being deemed as experts about this thing and they simply don't know it? A fraction of what you've experienced. Um... I, it doesn't bother me, you know, like, you know, anybody who uses the word expert, like, no, you know, uh, like, um, I might be, you know, uh, what's the word that I was using for like the longest time. I've even like, I, I, I don't even think in, in these terms anymore. Um, the, uh, um, there's always aficionado. That's a nice one. Yeah. But you know, I, I think that, you know, there's, I, who I am, what I do is more than an aficionado. Yeah. It's not an expert. And, and I, 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 I don't think that you can ever be a tequila expert. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but uh, his, his, his first name's Arturo and he's the general, essentially the general man, uh, production manager at Siete Leguas. Mm. And um, uh, I remember somebody asking him if he was the master distiller. He's like, no, I am not a master distiller. I am an alchemist. If I was a master distiller, if I was a master distiller, I would be able to go into any of these tequila distilleries and make tequila the way that they want to at their specifications. Oh, wow. That, oh, I love that. Dude, so humble. Like, yeah. But still super, super creative too. Alchemy. You can blind people, make them virile. I thought there's a great amount <laughs> of breadth of things that you can impart on somebody as an alchemist, you know? Yeah. When I, so I want to talk about a few dark things. Because today I woke up, Chris, I, I felt really down. I'm not sure why today specifically. If you, if you can see, I think there's a cold front coming in and stuff. But with the, the COVID stuff and shutdown, when we thrive on social interaction, this is great. And I, we'll finally get our moment, but it's not as great as if you were at the table here with me. You know what I, I mean? Do, like, you know, like, you know, we've been talking about doing this for a long time. And like, you know, I, you know, planned on, on being out your direction at some point, you know, over the last, what, eight years or whatever. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and, uh, <clears throat> um, and it just never happened. Right. Um, you know, and, you know, whether it had been like, you know, at your place or in, uh, NOLA for tales or, you know, in, in, uh, um, uh, San Antonio for cocktail conf- classic, right. Or what, or conference, um, you know, but yeah, so, so we're doing this and, and, you know, like everybody else, you know, all of our, our social interactions are online. Yeah. Do you. You know, okay, I, this is the, the analogy that, that I was thinking of, is you can eat fresh corn, right? Right at the crop. Or you can eat maseca tortillas, which are, it's still corn, but to get to the place that's that intimate with the raw ingredient, you gotta eat like 10 of those tortillas. <laughs> and there's byproducts and you feel like shit and you're stuck. And that's what this is like. It takes 10 of these to equal one cocktail at a bar with somebody oh yeah you know what i mean and uh, so how is that affecting you because you obviously you're on stage that's social playing music in front of people social brand ambassadorship is social um so believe it or not i am an introvert you mentioned that yeah i don't believe that actually chris um (laughs) and uh uh the first like 10 or 12 weeks of this was just awesome. You know, I'd been on the go my entire life, just like, you know, uh, whether it's, it's from one gig to the next or, you know, one town to the next with Fortaleza. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I knew that when I left Fortaleza that things were going to slow down. And I was going to be able to like breathe and like, you know, take care of, of myself musically. And, and just get back to, to that aspect. And, and then when we got thrown into, you know, the shutdown, I'm like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. I didn't have to see anybody or be near anybody. Like, it was just super awesome. And like, but then like week 12 hits and I was just like, oh, damn, I'm going stir crazy now. Like where everybody was after like two days of not having social interaction it took me about like 12 weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I, you know, I dearly miss, you know, the, the one-on-one interaction with people. I like, you know, I miss hugging my friends and, and, you know, like, even though I may not work for a brand anymore, I still had planned on, you know, going to Aspen for food and wine and still going to, to, you know, tales of the cocktail and having, and seeing my friends that are from the industry and, and, and be able to share hugs and drinks with them you know, to, you know, go up, you know, and hang out, you know, friends that, are, that have bars in, in LA or San Diego or, or San Francisco and, yeah. you know, all that, you know, you know, got shut down for everybody. And, and so, yeah, it sucked balls. Um, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've gone through worse things in life, uh, than, 
dealing with, uh, you know, not being able to see my friends. Yeah. Um, so it's a, I'm going to share, and I haven't really shared this, uh, but I'll share it with you because I've known you for a while. But like, so I went through a breakup during this. Now, I, it, this is by no means a comparison uh, to, to understanding, you know, what you've been through with relationships and stuff. But it's, that, that was the thing that really took the piss out of me. You know, it wasn't, because luckily with my tech job and stuff, you know, I can be at the house and I can work. But it had me thinking, because I'd been married twice, you know, each of those was an interesting learning experience. And this was the best possible woman I had ever met. Yeah. You know? And I had these moments, especially lately, where I'm like, I'm not sure I get another at bat on this one, on this whole concept of love and, and companionship. I'll have, uh, yeah. I mean, so, so you know exactly where I'm going with this, I think. Okay. So that's how I, now, you know, I'll pull myself out of it, whatever, I got good friends and stuff. But I know, having been through that yourself with the loss of a loved one, your partner, did you ever get into that dark place where you started thinking, I'm not sure that love is even a thing that I can take on again? Um, no, um, not at all. Um, so after my wife died, like it actually gave me a different um, uh, understanding of love. Mm. Uh, and, um, you know, I know at some point in time I will find the right person to share my life with. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, <clears throat> unfortunately, it's a little bit more difficult um, for somebody like myself who, A, is widowed. So most women are like, widowed. Ah, they feel like they're competing against a dead person wow. when that's not even the, the case in any way, shape, or form. Um, yes, I will always love, honor, and cherish Elizabeth. I am who I am because of her mm. in every context. Um, and her family is my family and always will be until the day I die. Um, but, uh, you know, there's always room in somebody's heart and soul for for another person to experience the love that that person has to share. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, at some point in time, I'll find the right person, you know, so far that's eluded me, but a being a widow, being slightly uh, introverted. So it's like, you know, and for like the longest time I'm out on the road. So like when I'm as an introvert, when I'm out on the road, talking to people when I get done, I just want to come home and just like, just like, no, <laughs> and be like, I don't want to talk to anybody. Right. So, and like going to a bar or whatever is kind of cheesy. And plus also like I live an unconventional lifestyle, whereas a musician, like, you know, or even, you know, working for a brand, like, you know, we have different lives than, than most. And I live in what I consider to be my, um, uh, um, uh, uh, suburban hell of North coastal North County, San Diego. A lot of people are like, Oh, hey, that's a great place to raise a family. And yes, it is, but it lacks in culture, um, in, in a lot of aspects. Right. So like, you know, um, up here, it's, it's very much, uh, a little bit more focused on, and definitely not everybody in any way, shape, or form. But a lot of a lot of people in North County are more focused on like, oh, I want to have like this kind of lifestyle, and I want to have you know uh, whatever. It's more materialistic. Yeah. When I am not right. So, um, Do you, it, so one of the things that that, that echoes from you. And I'm not a negative person by any means. I'm not even pessimistic anymore. I've grown out of that. But you, 
have a lightness about you that affects others positively. But it's a dedication, I feel, from you that you're dedicated to positivity and optimism. And maybe that doesn't always feel like that, but does that come from someplace? Does it come from your family? Does it come from meditating or any of those things? Oh, I have no idea. I, I, you know, uh, I don't know if, if, um, I would even see that in myself. Um, you know, I, I, I am, uh, um, at the, at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm still like this, you know, uh, you know, kind of like goth rock kid, you know, I, I lean towards dark, heavier things, mm-hmm. you know, music, entertainment. I mean, I like, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, mescalas because like, they're not like so passive and boring, right? <laughs> passive. <laughs> the best possible tasting though I've ever heard for tequila. You've heard it here. Uh, but I agree. There's just this in the conversation about mescalology had a whole other befuddling one, but a, a brilliant one, you know. But let's talk about these latest chapters where you're doing education. You just had a online class, a session with Robert Denton. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. How, how is this shifting of formats, shifting of maybe your role or your central focus as a centerpiece visually to tequila? How has that been going? Um, it really natural in, 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 in every context. Um, like I knew that, you know, leaving Forleza and returning to music full time, I was still going to plan on, on having one foot in the world of agave from an educational standpoint. So, um, I, I had a, you know, there was a, uh, a, a new, um, Mexican restaurant that was opening up down the street, you know, like I first saw, saw the, uh, back in like November of 2019. Right. And what really inspired me was that on the side of the wall, it said Mezcal on the street, like (laughs) big words, it's a tequila and Mezcal. And I was just like, Oh my God, dude, seriously. Like, I was blown away because being in suburban hell, you know, mezcal is, is, is still kind of like this, you know, foreign type of, of, um, product. And I was like, okay, this is good. This place can be rad. And like, you know, I wanted to approach them to do, um, an, an educational thing with, you know, consumers and industry, you know, where I don't work for them. I just want to be able to come in and, do it and I'd actually be getting paid by brands to promote the products that are actually on their shelves and to, you know, so, so working as a brand rep, but not, but only for one specific location. Right. Yeah. So unfortunately, you know, because I, I, you know, I have that ability. It's like, I can, you know, like, you know, when, whether there are brands that don't have, you know, somebody that can give that product or they don't have the, the, the proper funds to get people and, and to touch people. But I, you know, have that ability. I, you know, it, it, there's a really good chance that I've been to the town where your product has been produced. Mm-hmm. I can tell your story, right? I can share, you know, the product and why it's different from everything else that's on, on the shelves. And, you know, uh, you know, I've heard be able to put in one day a week It's right down the street. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's a, it's a perfect gig, honestly, but, but what people don't know, always see is there's two, two, two groups of folks that are in the industry. So many disproportionate amounts, actors and musicians are in the brand ambassador atmosphere ecosystem, if you will. So you, it's gotta be good. Yeah. To be on stage again, cause it is a stage. Oh yeah, I know. So like, you know, when, when I'm doing my online events for the, you know, uh, Museum of Distilled Spirits, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, okay, it's showtime. Yeah. Um, and, uh, um, 
you know, you just get up and do it. And, and like, yeah. And so like, I don't see it much different than, you know, doing that gig in front of 10 people, you know, you do it because you love it. You know, the, the nice thing is that I don't have to really go anywhere and I could just like be wearing my under underwear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the good thing is right now, Chris, I can only see you basically pecks up. So you yes. can do anything you want and I won't judge you. Because I'm, I am wearing shorts, okay? But I should be wearing my skinny jeans. <laughs> I'm off brand right now. <laughs> so I got a couple more questions for you. And one, you know, it feels like every celebrity that had a little bit of disposable cash is getting into tequila. Have you ever thought, not necessarily about tequila, but about having a Chris Maxwell brand of, of something? Oh. 1,000%. Like, oh, okay. Um, so I ended up in the supply side of the industry, you know, because uh, um, economically, uh, you know, Elizabeth and I decided to buy a house without selling our condo first at the very height of the bubble and the bubble popped on the condo market first. And so we had two mortgages um, that were going on. And uh, um, it was like, oh, hell. Right. And so like, okay, well, hey, I'll go get a, a part-time job while, you know, our, our uh, um, condo is on the market. And at that point in time, like I, you know, I had dreams of like, you know, still, you know, becoming this rock star and that I was going to have my own tequila brand, a la Sammy Hagar. And, uh, um, fear, okay. Like if you're going to have to have, if you're gonna have to have an additional job, you know, might as well be something that, you know, is going to help you with whatever you want to do. Right. And because I'm a musician, I don't think of a bar as making money because a, the bar like never pays and B, when they do, it's in booze, right? <laughs> and I've always had to like, you know, bring my own water bottle mm-hmm. uh, to, for gigs. So I didn't really see the, I didn't understand the importance of the, the on-premise aspect of booze. Um, and so, uh, plus also in that as, uh, aspect is that working in a bar requires working at night, which would conflict with working in the band. I see. So uh, I ended up uh, um, getting a, a morning gig at uh, BevMo, which is a, um, a pretty large chain of, of stores, but um, it was in the same shopping center as the guitar shop um, that I've been working at. Oh, nice. I was able to, you know, go there and then, you know, head over and, 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 and start teaching right afterwards, you know, but it was a drag. Like it was, you know, um, I had to be there at 9am as a musician. <laughs> Dude, I'm pulling teeth. Oh my God. Like that sucked. But yeah. So like, I figured like, you know, you know, learn the industry from the, from the ground up. Yeah. Oh, I love that though. And I learned a lot, you know, working there. Um, you know, I, I, you know, as much as it sucked and like the first manager that I worked for, for the most part, um, while I was there, he was super cool, really like, and, and he ended up, uh, leaving that to take over another BevMo and then he left that and ended up kind of, um, well not kind of, but working for Ballast Point Mm. And when Ballast Point got sold, he ended up at the ground f- ground level of Cutwater. Okay, so it was, it was it was awesome to see like that little piece of success for for him. Yeah, you know, but um, you know the second manager that that we had, you know, had zero personnel skills. Um, and uh, um, you know, I got out of there. Uh, shortly thereafter, but, but but Elizabeth's like, no, you can't quit. I'm like, dude, this job sucks. She's like, we need the money. You cannot quit. And then, like, you know, at that point in time, like, you know, stopped doing the band thing. Was getting some more 
responsibilities with four lays in and I was able to hit the eject button. But yeah, so I wanted to have my own brand. Um, I've learned, you know, that I have zero interest in having my own brand. Do I want to make, do I want to make my own dissolutes? Hell yeah. I would have done that already if, if like, you know, having a pit in my backyard wasn't going to be such a fire hazard. I, uh, can we talk about this for a second? So like punk rock kids, I'll find a way. If you give me something with strings, I'll get some sound out of it. Yeah. Right. And because we're both guitar players, been doing it kind of all our lives. I'll tell you this as well. If it's a piece of soto or if it's an agave, I'll find some way to get you some alcohol out of it. (laughs) It's the same thing. And so California and I've been cultivating agave here in, in North Austin, which is good, but you have a very fine collection of agave Americana, I think. And then you have one big Karwinski. I was looking back at our chats. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've got a few different things, you know, or access to, um, uh, around here for sure. Uh, they're like just right up the street. Somebody's got something that looks you can make booze from it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, and uh, I noticed yesterday that the Kyote is going up. I'm like, I saw that. I'm like, what month is this? Um, like, I had to really think, like, it's December. Who the hell is putting up a Kyote in December? Right? Like, it doesn't happen. Like, at all. And so um, I need to go back today and or tonight and be all stealth and cut it off. Mass hysteria, dogs and cats living together. That is what that is what we're seeing. Well, so maybe we scheme a little bit, Chris. Maybe I come down there in some kind of pickup truck, and I go and I pick up some piñas. We trim those bad boys, and I trek them back to Texas. Because there's nothing safer than being in a vehicle with yourself or one other person <laughs> going across the country. Man, I'd love to. And if you got those piñas, I actually will make it. I will make it happen. Yeah. yeah. I love I love this. Well, there's maybe a bright future for American agave distillates. However, many of the things I've tasted indicate there is not a very bright future. For- no, um, you know what? So um, Ventura um, yep. Distillers, okay, they've got um, their Paloma, which is actually cultivated agave, um, Tecolano Weber, Azul. Okay. That's cool. Uh, Santa Barbara. Oh, cool. So, um, and, um, it, it's kind of pricey. It's like 60 bucks for a three, seven, five. Um, but it tasted like a red tape. Actually it tasted like orandine. Um, however, they also have an Americana that's coming out. That was like, Oh, like definitely kind of upped the game um, in whatever that they did. Um, but I really enjoyed the flavor profile of that. Yeah. That's, the, that's what I'm driving at, you know, for the future of spirits and stuff. And that's why I'm cooking so tall in my goddamn kitchen right now. But so I got one other question for you, Chris. <laughs> and we'll make it music centric, but you know, I asked this of all of my guests, Let's say you're sipping, because I saw some, you got a couple great bottles back there. When you're talking, I can see them, but when I'm talking, I can't see. But there's like a caballito, I think, Spectre. Caballito Cerro. So let's say you're drinking this beautiful Destilado. Anywhere in the world, doesn't matter. But you can have a conversation and drink with any musician, living or deceased. Who might you like to have that drink with? I mean, well, um, outside of my wife. Uh, Given that y'all, oh, no, that actually would count too. I mean, you can get me on a technicality for sure. Yeah. Um, Because I would love to have that conversation. Um, But if, if we put her aside... Um, with any musician, oh, uh, 
I don't think I could could nail it down to like one. Like yeah. you know, I, I I would love to you know chat with Paul McCartney and John Lennon and, and Jimi H- Hendrix and Jimmy Page and like you know. Um, That'd be a pretty great round table. Yeah. You know, um, uh, you know, I'm not sure if, if they would enjoy the, the, the deliciousness in my glass. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, as long as it's vegan for Paul, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, totally. And as long as you can tie it back to runes and magic, Jimmy Page will be just fine as well. Oh, yeah, totally, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So five years, six years in the making, Chris, we finally made this thing happen under yeah. the most strange of circumstances in the history of human existence and for us. But it's been just a pleasure, man. And I, I, I'm so glad we finally get to do this thing. And it, the time in which we can do this in person cannot come soon enough. Oh, oh I know. Definitely. Yeah. So cheers to you. Cheers. Yeah. For sharing your story. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. You got it. All right, man. Thank you very much. Well, there we have it. Chris Maxwell, the tales, the Fortaleza, the rock music, the guitar playing, just a lot of great things. And, you know, as Chris mentions, much to our surprise, he's an introvert. You know, to me, it seems like he's on that stage doing education for Agave. He's there playing guitar on stage. But in, at the heart of it, He's a dude that likes his space, that likes his time. I suppose it's something that we all can learn about each other, things that surprise us. So, Chris, thanks so much for taking the time out to chat. It's been a long time in the making. And thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how many espressos you think will pep your day up, if you're thinking, I probably should watch Tenet again, it was pretty confusing the first time, please, you can't.